Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to Read the Bible with Elder Linda. So glad you joined me. Uh, <clears throat> this week, we have a, a very good lesson. If this is your first time coming to the channel here, we read the scriptures together. Uh, we're reading through the Bible. Uh, we've gone through Genesis. We actually went to Matthew. Now we're on Exodus. And uh, we make sure we understand what we're reading and we make an application to our lives. And we post a new video. Uh, I post a new video by every Wednesday. So I'm glad you joined me. Give me a thumb up. Subscribe to the channel if you're so inclined to. I'd appreciate that. And also remember that questions and comments are welcome. <clears throat> uh, still dealing with some sinus things here, so I might sound a little nasally. Apologize for that in the beginning, but uh, we're working through that. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, any questions or comments that you have, uh, we can we can look up and uh, give you the biblical answer for uh, for whatever questions that you have, especially if they're pertaining to the lesson. So last week we were uh, in chapter 19 of Exodus. And in chapter 19 is where the people arrived at Mount Sinai and where God was preparing them to meet with him. Because in chapter 19, he's just getting ready to give them the Ten Commandments. So this is a very important chapter because it's a preparation chapter in chapter 19. And we talked about last week how he uh, told them they had to sanctify themselves. They had to cleanse their, wash their clothes, which is a type of cleansing themselves. Uh, they had to abstain from sex. Uh, for three days, and then third day after they were clean, God was going to come down and meet with them. And they also, they weren't supposed to touch the mountain. They had a, a boundary around the mountain where the people couldn't, could only go, could only go so far. <coughs> So there was a lot of preparation at Mount Sinai, getting them ready for uh, the Ten Commandments. And they had reached Mount Sinai. This is the third month after the children of Israel left Egypt. You know, after God delivered them from Egypt, this is their third month uh, in their journey when they finally reached Mount Sinai. <clears throat> so today we're going to be on chapter 20 of Exodus, which is going to cover the Ten Commandments, which we all know very well. We're going to go over those. So let's just start with a word of prayer. Thank you, Father. Father, we praise you. We honor you. We glorify you on today. Lord, so grateful that you are our God, that you keep on dealing with us, that you, Father, that you see where we are and that you see where we need to be. Father, and that your Holy Spirit is getting us where we need to be. We thank you. I thank you for everyone out there listening. Father, I pray that you would bless the people. Bless those that want to learn your word, oh God. <clears throat> Father, bless them that they might understand your word and perceive your word, Father, and be enlightened by your word. Father, and cause your word to become a part of us as we apply ourselves and read your word, Father. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for coming in and being the teacher. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so, amen. Let's just start in, I'm in the New Living Translation. And we're on Genesis, I mean, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 20. <clears throat> and in verse 1, it says, Then God gave the people all these instructions. So remember there, uh, he's giving them instructions and they're all listening to what God has to say because he's prepared them for this. And in verse two, it says, I am the Lord, your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. Now, why did God start out with this? In my opinion, he started out with this because 
he wanted them to uh, make sure you know that I'm God. You know, because when they were in Egypt, there were a lot of gods that they were uh, dealing with, that they were uh, exposed to. Uh, because the Egyptians served many gods. Mm -hmm. So God wanted them to know, have, have it clear in your head, uh, children of Israel, my people, the ones that I've just brought out of Egypt, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You must not have any other God but me. Still, God reminded, because God knew all those gods that they served in Egypt, which were no gods, they weren't really gods, but the people in uh, the Egyptians served a lot of gods, and some of that could have been an influence on Israel. So God's having to get that Egypt concept out of their head by letting them know, I'm the true God, and you, and you must not have any other gods before me. And <clears throat> another way that God showed them that that was not a good idea to have any other gods before me, because all those gods that they had of Egypt that were no gods, let's just pause here for a minute, because uh, they had gods that were gods of the Nile River. But their Nile River God could not uh, turn the water back from blood. When Jesus made, uh, when God turned the water into blood, had Moses turn the water into blood, they, their gods couldn't turn the water back to drinking water. Their gods who were over child, they served gods that were over childbirth. Where their gods over childbirth could not make the frogs go away. God had to make the frogs go away. Their gods of magic couldn't do anything with the lice until God decided to take them away. They served creator gods. They creator gods couldn't do anything about the flies that God sent. All these plagues God sent on Egypt and these supposedly gods were shown that they were actually no gods. They had no power. They had gods of livestock. But their gods of livestock could not stop the animals from getting from getting diseases. With all these with all these plagues, God was showing his people, these are not really gods. They say they're gods, but I'm the true God. They have no power. And he was showing them that they had no power. They had gods over your health, you know, your health and well-being. Uh, they had health gods. Well, these health gods could not stop the boils from coming all over the Egyptians. They had gods of the dry air, but and these gods of the dry air could not stop the hail from coming down and destroying a lot of Egypt. They had fertile crop gods that they worshipped. Well, these fertile crop gods could not stop the locusts from eating up all their crops when God sent the locusts. They had a sun god, sun god Ra. This sun god, who's supposed to be the god of the sun, he could not stop the three days of darkness that God put over the land of Egypt where the people couldn't even see their hand in front of their face for three days. They didn't move. He couldn't stop that. And then last of all, Pharaoh, who claimed that he was a god, could not even stop his own son from being killed with the death of the firstborn. So God showed that these were not gods. So therefore he's telling them in verse three, you must not have any other gods but me. So don't worship anything else but me because I'm the only one. Verse four, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or of an, <clears throat> an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. 
For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay, now, remember he says he, you're not supposed to make any images. We want you to take note of that because the children of Israel are going to mess this up. But in verse 1, he said, don't make any images. So don't make any idols that look like a cow or a sheep or a fish and worship that or, you know, any images. So don't make a, a, a idol of a tree and worship that. You know, don't create anything and worship it. Or a cow, <laughs> which we're going to see them do. Um, just a spoiler alert there. He said, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even the children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Now, I want you to catch that part. He's punishing those who reject him. And that punishment can reverberate. It can go down <clears throat> to different generations. Only for those who reject him. Verse 6. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. So his blessings can be on your household for generation to generation because you had a praying grandmother or you had a praying great-great-grandmother who loved the Lord. And those blessings are continuing upon your family. Verse 7. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. So, you know, one of the things we can say about this misusing God's name is that God is so awesome. He's so mighty. He's so amazing. His name is awesome. And we use his name. We can call upon his name. It says uh, that you call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. So there's power in the name of the Lord. And God does not want us to take that lightly and don't be frivolous with it. Recognize that he's awesome. He's a mighty God. And don't uh, uh, try and, and belittle him because he's an awesome God. Don't take him lightly. Verse 8. And don't use his name in vain, uh, using it uh, lightly or frivolously, taking it lightly. Verse 8, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. For you have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. He's very specific. He said, for six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. Now, remember, we talked about that. God didn't rest because he was out of breath and he was tired. Okay, I just enough. I got to sit down. No, when you say he rested here, he ceased. He stopped. The work was over. It was finished. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as a holy day. Holy just means he set it apart. So we're going to come back to the Sabbath because I want to say something more about the Sabbath. We're going to come back to that. Verse 12. Honor your father and mother. Then will you live long, a long full life in the land of the Lord your God. In the land, the Lord your God is giving you. So what does it mean to honor your parents? Okay, it means to respect them. You shouldn't be cursing your parents out. Uh, it didn't say your parents have to be perfect because uh, to be honest with you right now, there's no perfect parents. So they're going to have flaws, 
But even with their flaws, you should respect your parents, you should obey your parents, and you should think of them highly. And if they're doing something that's not right, pray for them. And use wisdom with this because, I mean, uh, you know, you don't have to do things that are immoral or things that are wrong. Uh, your parents shouldn't be telling you to do things that are absolutely wrong. But when they're telling you to do things and it's not against your faith, not against your religion, you honor your parents, honor your father and mother that your days may be long. You must not murder. And what we want to say here, because some of the translations say you must not kill. <clears throat> and a lot of the um, commentators say that's a that's a bad translation to say you must not kill because uh, murder is, is the original word. And murder means to unlawfully... Uh, let me see, I have written down here. But murder is to, to uh, a premeditated, refers to premeditated or deliberate killing. And we're not supposed to do that. Now, because killing, we know killing was permitted in Exodus for capital punishment. You find that in Exodus chapter 21, verse 15 through 17 and verse 23. So it was used... God allowed it for capital punishment, so he knows he's not saying you can't kill, but he's, he is saying you're not to murder. And we also know that killing was uh, permitted in warfare when they were in battle. And you can see that uh, when, Israel, when the children of Israel were fighting with the Amalekites in Exodus chapter 17. So that word should be, you must not murder, not you shall not kill, because sometimes killing in warfare is happens. Verse 14, you must not commit adultery. So of course that's him honoring the marriages, honoring, uh, if you're married, you're supposed to be faithful to that person and not, uh, sleeping around with other people that aren't, that is not your husband or your wife. So God's showing us how he has, on, he's honoring marriages. Verse 15, you must not steal. God did not want you stealing. Verse 16, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. So don't lie on your neighbor. You're not supposed to be lying. Tell the truth. Verse 17, and your neighbor is anybody. It's not just a person living next door to you. When it says your neighbor is just talking about anybody. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. So we just want to mention here that when it says you must not covet, there's a difference between wanting something and coveting something that somebody else have. So when you think of it this way, when you're coveting uh, your neighbor's thing, so if, if, if you cover your neighbor, covet, C-O-V-E-T, your neighbor's wife, that means you want his wife. You want the woman that he has as his wife. Not you want your own wife, or I, I, want, I want a wife just like my neighbor got a wife. No, you want that particular woman that is his wife. That's coveting, okay? Uh, coveting uh, your neighbor's car or his, his house. It's not that you want your own house. You want the house that your neighbor is in right now. You want them to get at that house because you want that house for yourself. Don't understand how they got it. They shouldn't even be in it. You know, that kind of stuff. That's coveting. <clears throat> so there's nothing wrong with... Uh, when, when you see a person with nice things and you desire something like that for yourself, that's okay. You know, uh, man, I, I, I would like to give me a nice car. That's not coveting. Coveting is that I want his car. 
I will, you know, something happen that I have, and let me have that car right there that he's in. I want his car. So just remember, coveting is something that you do in your mind. And if you find yourself coveting uh, and having the wrong attitude about your neighbor, and it's not just your next door neighbor, this is about anybody. Anybody's wife, they don't have to live next door to you. Uh, then you need to pray and ask God to help you with that and to, to cleanse you and to deal with that, that, that bad attitude that you have about your neighbor. And God will help. So let's go back. I'm going to go back to the Sabbath, the information about the Sabbath. We'll talk about that just for a little bit. In verse 10, again, there are two reasons why we should keep the Sabbath. Or why God was telling them to keep the Sabbath at that time. He said, no work on the seventh day. The NIV brings out the fact that God set this day aside as a holy day to honor the fact that he worked for six days on the seventh day he rested. So he set apart that seventh day as a celebration. The work was complete. It's finished. And he's also in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 14 through 15, he wanted them to honor the Sabbath day because as they rested, and remember he said, nobody in your household is supposed to do any work. Everybody gets a day off. Everybody gets a chance to rest and rejuvenate themselves. So, you know, there's a lot of people that um, talk about the Sabbath. Somebody asked me once, uh, well, what day is the Sabbath day? And so I just want to read um, a couple of scriptures about um, the Sabbath. Let's go to Romans chapter 14. In Romans chapter 14, we're going to start with verse 1 and read the first six verses. Because um, oftentimes people, you know, have a lot of questions about the Sabbath day. Well, should, do I, should we still be celebrating that uh, and, or, or what? So let's read what Paul tells us in uh, Romans chapter 14. It says, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. So right there, that's telling us you should not be somewhere arguing with somebody about, you know, this is a, the Sabbath day is supposed to be Saturday. No, the Sabbath day is supposed to be Sunday. No, we're not, we're not even supposed to argue about that. It tells us right here. Don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. For God has accepted them. So God has accepted them both. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? In other words, I belong to God. God is my judge. You belong to God. God is your judge. We, whatever we do, we should be doing it hardly as unto the Lord and not unto man. It should be, we should be persuading in our own mind. And it says their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day while others think every day is alike. And we've heard that before. You know, some people really do um, set aside the Sabbath as, you know, as uh, as Saturday. And um, and that's okay. That's what they believe. You should not be condemning them or judging people that uh, are going 
according to the Old Testament and and uh, 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 looking at the Sabbath as as Saturday. That that's fine. And there's there's other people, uh, probably more of the 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 Christians nowadays that are um, non-denominational. Well, we consider the Sabbath day as being every day should be a day of rest. Every day we should be resting in the finished work of Christ. Every day we should be enjoying the Sabbath. And because Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11. So let us do our best to enter that rest. So we should do our best to enter into the rest. And what rest is that? That rest is of Jesus. It's who Jesus is. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2. I think it's the last scripture I want to go to. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. And it says, For God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much. It's talking about Jesus being our Sabbath rest. That even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. So when we're talking about entering into that rest, laboring to enter into his rest. The rest is that Christ was raised from the dead. It says, verse 6, for he raised us, and I'm in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him. In heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ Jesus. So once you said yes to Jesus, once you accepted him into your heart, you are seated with him because he lives in you. He's part of you. So where he's seated, you're seated. He's seated at the right hand of God. Now, because we're united with Christ, we're seated there as well. Verse 7, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of, of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. This is what the Bible says, that we are united with Christ. And Jesus said that he was Lord of the Sabbath. He, and if he's Lord of the Sabbath, and that's you can find that in Matthew chapter 12, verse 8, that means that... Uh, the Sabbath doesn't dictate to him. He dictate, he dictate to the Sabbath. Because some people are telling him that certain things he wasn't supposed to do because it was a Sabbath day. In, in Mark chapter 12, verse 8, and in Mark chapter 2, I mean, Matthew chapter 12, verse 8, and in Mark chapter 2, 28. And uh, Jesus had to let them know that I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath don't dictate to me. I dictate to the Sabbath. Amen. So when you're in Jesus, uh, he is our Sabbath rest. But now let's look at this another way as well, though, because uh, God knows us and he knows what we need. And it is a good thing for you to take one day out of the week and use it as a Sabbath day. Because Sabbath just means rest. He wanted us to rest one day out of the week. So, you know, you need to take that day and find you a time to just rest. It's just shut down, unplug yourself, unplug the phone, get off social media. And just rejuvenate yourself and have a Sabbath rest. Amen. Amen. So we're going to go back to Exodus and we're almost finished here. <clears throat> uh, flip 
left off my page here. Okay, Exodus chapter 20. And verse 18 says, When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning, so this is after God and gave, gave them the Ten Commandments, then they saw, let's uh, start in verse 18. When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. So they're afraid of what they're seeing and hearing here. It's an awesome sight. The mountain, uh, they're seeing thunder and lightning and lights are flashing and hearing this ram's horn. Verse 19. And they said to Moses, okay, we done heard enough. You speak to us and we will listen. But don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. So they were really afraid. Verse 20. Don't be afraid, Moses answered them, for God has come in this way to test you so that your fear of him will keep you from, from sinning. So in other words, God is showing, he's letting you hear his voice so that you won't be, a, so you have a reverence of him and your reverence of him will keep you from sinning. Verse 21, as the people stood in the distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was and God continued to talk to Moses as the people right now said, we don't want to hear all this. Verse 22, when the Lord said, and the Lord said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, you saw yourselves that I spoke to you from heaven. Remember, you must not make any idols of silver or gold to rival me. Build for me an altar made of earth and offer your sacrifices to me, your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your goats, your cattle, and build my altar wherever I cause my name to be remembered. And I will come to you and bless you. So really, these altars are, are going to be a temporary thing because later on we're going to see how God's going to build, cause them to make a tabernacle where they're going to offer sacrifices. So this is going to be just a temporary thing until the tabernacle is finished. Verse 25. If you use stones to build my altar, use only natural uncut stones. Do not shape the stones with the tool for that would make the altar unfit for holy use. So what is he saying? Don't put your hands to my altar. If you put your hands to shape some stones, then now your flesh and hands been involved and it's not holy anymore. So you can only use stones that you're not chiseling into. Verse 26, and do not approach my altar by going up steps. If you do, someone might look up your clothing and see your nakedness. Now, why would he be saying that? Because in the past, they had, um, they had uh, uh, sacrifices and they had temples where they did a lot of sexual things in those temples. Uh, and, and God is, is, is leery of that and telling them, look, you can't even uh, build an altar that has steps that you're going to climb up because he's trying to cut all that out. So there won't be any of that sexual stuff going on. So what can we get out of this? God has set us free and his laws are now written in our hearts. And you find that in Hebrews chapter 10. It's the last scripture that we're going to close. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. Tells us about how God has put his laws in our heart. And it says... Under, we're going to start in Acts 11. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, 
offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. So this was the old covenant. We're talking about the Old Testament. In verse 12, but our high priest, talking about Jesus Christ, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. He offered himself once for sin, and then he sat down, that Sabbath rest, in the place of honor at God's right hand. And remember, we're seated there because we're inside of him. He's inside of us. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, this is the new covenant. This is part I want you to get. This is what God did for us. This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. God is so awesome. So we just read about those 10 commandments. And we know that we, we, for hindsight, that the Israelites are going to break those commandments. And they're not going to be able to keep them. But God is so awesome that he knows how we are. He said, you know what I'm going to do for these people? I'm going to write my laws in their hearts and in their mind. In other words, he's making his laws in our day and time, in 2023, the laws being a part of us so that we don't want to sin against him, that we don't want to offend the Holy Spirit, that it's just in our nature to do the right thing. Isn't that awesome? God just look. He, he knows how we are, so he made it so that we can walk this thing out. Amen? God is awesome. Amen? So we're going to stop there. And anybody who has not given their heart to the Lord, I want you to go to my channel on YouTube called Read Through the Bible with Elder Linda. And there's a playlist called The Sinner's Prayer where you'll be led to Jesus and given all the scriptures there in another teaching called Teaching About Salvation, About Your Salvation. Amen. So give your heart to Jesus. There's so many things happening in the earth today that you just need to be in Jesus. Amen. So give your heart to Jesus today and don't delay. So let's just close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this message. We thank you for all those that are listening, oh God. We thank you, Father, that you put your word in our hearts and in our minds, Father, that we might not sin against you. Holy Spirit, we give you honor. We give you praise. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, and I'll see you next week.